Happy New Year. <laughs> hey, good morning. Welcome to River Church. I'm Matt. If we haven't met, I am thrilled that you're here. Uh, if you're here because it is sort of a new year, new start, and you're checking out River Ridge for the first time, or coming back to church for the first time in a long time, or just investigating Christianity or Jesus, thrilled that you're here. If you maybe came for one of our Christmas at the Ridge services back uh, in December, and you're checking us out for a, a real Sunday morning service, glad that you're here as well. Uh, many of you know that we did something fairly different this year for Christmas. Instead of just having Christmas Eve services, we had four services, which we called Christmas at the Ridge, over four different days. Um, and I just want to kind of give you a report on that, that it has been, uh, it was fantastic. And we really, we did this in large part because we wanted to be part of reaching the 130,000 people in our community who are disconnected from God. And so over the course of the four services, uh, we had 1,250 people come and check out Riverridge Church, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and to give you a kind of a comparison, on a typical Sunday morning here at Riverridge, we have about 600. So more than double that came for our Christmas at the Ridge services. Um, but again, a big part of it was to reach those who are disconnected uh, from God, disconnected from the church. And so um, of that number, as best we can kind of figure out from connect cards and a few other kind of data points, uh, is that we think there was probably about 150 new people who'd never been to River Church who came to check it out. And I think that is absolutely awesome. Yep. And that, you know, that is because of God, but that's also because of you. You invited people, you prayed, you volunteered, you did a lot. And so thrilled that we can do this together because we really do, we want to make Riverridge Church what God wants it to be. And if you're new here, one of the things you'll hear us talk about a lot is the Riverridge exists to help you take next steps in your journey with God. And so no matter where you're coming from spiritually, whether you're brand new to following Jesus, or whether you're investigating Christianity, or whether you're leading spiritually in your family, wherever you're at, we want to help you to take whatever the next step is for you. Because one of the things that we firmly believe is that life goes better when we do it God's way. Life goes better when we do it God's way. When we live the way that God wants us to live, we're going to avoid a lot of the pitfalls and difficulties of life. But just doing things God's way doesn't mean that we avoid all the pitfalls and difficulties of life. But when we do things God's way and with God, it means that even in those difficult times, even in those bumps in the road, that God is with us through that. And so just as a community of, as us, we want to help to grow one another and to take those next steps in that. So I'm going to pray for us this morning and um, just be praying. We're going to before I pray, I want to kind of let you know, we're doing this series called Jesus Never Said That, and the topic that we're going to talk about this morning is, uh, is forgiveness. And I, um, just as I have just honestly just been here this morning and watching people and knowing stories and having a few conversations, man, I recognize that this sermon is like inadequate, and I don't mean it's not a good sermon. I think it's very helpful. But there are so many nuances and difficulties that people go through as a result of being wronged and, and as a result of forgiveness and lack of forgiveness that I recognize that I can't cover it all in a 25 or 30-minute sermon. I don't know if I could cover it in a two-hour sermon. Um, and so I'm really praying that as what I share here, that God will speak to you in what you need to hear, because I think there's a lot more that God needs to tell us than what might be contained in a 
30-minute message. So let me pray. God, thank you so much for each person who's here. And God, I truly believe that you have every person in this room for a purpose, for your purpose, that they would learn about forgiveness. And uh, God, learning about it is one thing. Applying it is a whole different thing, and it's difficult, and it's hard. Um, But I pray, God, as we look into your word this morning, that you would help us to see that, help us to understand that. Um, Because, God, we want to honor you in all of this. And, uh, God, we want to learn to be forgivers. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's just, I just, I, I think one of the reasons that I maybe feel a weight about this sermon is that when we, when we live as forgivers, we can experience so much of the goodness that God has for us. But when we live holding on to resentment and bitterness from being wronged by other people, it just, it sucks the life out of us. We just miss the joy that God has for us in life because of that. And so I just, I'm just feeling a weight that I want us to grasp this um, in such a big way. You know, this series that we're starting today, it's called Jesus Never Said That. And we're going to look at four different phrases that Jesus never said. And we're going to look at each of these phrases as a way of kind of saying, well, what did Jesus say about this topic or that topic? So this morning is Jesus never said, forgive and forget. Next week, we're going to look at this phrase that Jesus never said, is that Christians should never judge others. And that's going to be an interesting one to look at. The following week, uh, the week of the 19th, we're going to look at this idea of did Jesus say or Jesus didn't say, uh, do what makes you happy. And then we're going to finish with this phrase that's sometimes attributed to Jesus, uh, but he didn't say this either, is that God will never give you more than you can handle. So I'm looking forward to what we're going to learn through this series. But one of the things we want to happen is um, for you to see what did Jesus actually say. And so when you walked in this morning, you got a little kind of aqua teal blue card here that says the 40 teachings of Jesus. Um, And so on the one side, there's 40 things that you can read, uh, read one each day and check them off. And then on the other side, um, there's four questions just to help you to dig into that. And I encourage you to get a, a Bible, a pen, and a notebook and just jot these down. It'll probably take you 10 minutes a day, maybe 15 at the most, but for you on your own to connect with God. Because, you know, one of the things that I think happens, especially around this time in January at the new year, that a lot of folks come, and, and you maybe this is in your head too, you're saying, this year, I want to get more connected to church. I want to get more plugged into the church. Uh, and I hope that you do that. Um, and we'll talk next week about how, do you, how can you get more plugged into River Ridge, if that's something that you want to do. But I want us to start with, let's, connected, let's get connected to God. Let's get plugged into God. And if you get connected and plugged into God, and you're with God on a daily basis, hearing from Him and learning from Him, then the rest of that stuff will all take care of itself. But this morning, it's forgive and forget. Jesus didn't say that. Now, Jesus did talk a lot about forgiveness, and we're going to look at what he said about forgiveness. And if you want to turn now, we're mainly going to be in Matthew chapter 18, but we'll get there in just a moment. But we're going to talk this morning about forgiveness. What is it? What is it not? Why do we forgive? And then a little bit even to how do we forgive, especially when it's difficult. And we're talking about this this morning because every one of us in this room has been wronged. Every one of us has been wronged by somebody in some way. And, you know, even as you're thinking about, well, how have I been wronged? And you're thinking about that for yourself. There are certainly little things that happen on a, on a daily basis 
uh, sometimes from people who are close to us, sometimes from people who are a bit distant. Uh, but there are also some pretty major things that happen to us where we get wronged in some big and major and incredibly painful ways. And when we get hurt in these very painful ways, we're very reluctant to extend forgiveness. And we're reluctant, I think, for a variety of reasons. You know, one is because we fear that they're going to do it again. If I forgive them, then they're just going to go and hurt me again. Or maybe because the pain that they have caused you is so great that you don't want to forgive them. You're like, I just don't want to. I want them to suffer as they have made me suffer. You know, or maybe it's hard because they say they're sorry, but I'm not seeing it. And they say, would you forgive me? But I don't really want to forgive them because they're just going to do the same thing over and over again. You know, and sometimes the forgiveness can be the most difficult for the people that we're closest to, for the people that we trusted the most, and they betray our trust in some way, and we're I don't want to forgive them. But this is how important forgiveness is. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's how serious this is. And, and understand what this is saying and what this is not saying. Jesus is not saying, if you don't forgive somebody, then you're not going to heaven. If you don't forgive somebody, then you are going to lose your salvation. Jesus is not saying that. What Jesus is doing here is he is trying to put a connection together that we don't always make. And the connection is that the relationship that I have, the horizontal relationships that I have with other people affects my vertical relationship. I can't be at odds with somebody else. I can't be at odds with somebody and not forgiving somebody else but yet at the same time say, but my relationship with God is right and good and everything's fine there. Jesus saying, no, 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 they're connected. You can't live in strife with somebody else and not forgive them and think that you and I are doing okay. But we get into this notion of forgive, and then some people add this, forgive and forget. And where does that come from? Because that may be a phrase that you've heard, and you say, well, Jesus said forgive and forget, but that's not what he said. But where does that come from? It may come from here. This is Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. And the author of Hebrews says this, I will be merciful toward their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. And so maybe what happens is people take the word, I will remember their sins no more, and they Take that out and they say, I will forget their sins because forgive and forget is kind of a nice alliteration. But understanding what this means is very helpful because what we're going to learn as we see is that we forgive others as God has forgiven us. And so we go, well, we look at this and we say, well, maybe it's connected. But here's the thing. It says, I'll remember their sins no more. That doesn't mean that God, who was omniscient, who did know everything, all of a sudden gets some sort of spiritual amnesia and says, I can't really remember yesterday. What did Matt do again? I don't remember. It's not that type of thing. What it means is I remember their sins no more. It means this. It means I will not hold them to that. 
or I will not hold that against them. I'm no longer going to hold your sins against you. And that's what God does for us. He doesn't hold our sins against us. He knows that we continue to sin. He doesn't go, oh, I had no idea. He knows all, but he doesn't hold us to that. Now, forgiveness is often compared to a financial debt. Um, And we'll see this as we look at this parable that we're going to look at. But when we owe somebody a debt and they forgive the debt, what that means is that we're no longer on the hook for that. If I owe somebody, or let's say somebody owes me, you know, $500, and they say, I can't pay it, and I say, you know what, I forgive you of that debt. You don't have to pay me. They're no longer on the hook for that. And so what that means for us is to forgive somebody means that we release them of the debt that they owe to us. But I think what we want to do is we want to hold on to that. We want to hold that over their head. And I think oftentimes, and maybe this is you, maybe this is not you, but sometimes we even go to this place where we're like, I just want them to suffer. Like they wronged me, and I want them to suffer and hurt in the same way that I was hurt. I want them to suffer. I want their dog to suffer. I want their car to get in a crash. I, want I mean, we just go, we go all out with that. But to forgive somebody means that we release them of the debt that is owed to us. Now, Jesus talked about forgiveness. And for us, as we hear about forgiveness, we're like, that's really hard to do. And the disciples felt the same way. And so Peter approaches Jesus and asks him a question about forgiveness. And so now we're in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. says this, then Peter came up and said to him, so he said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And I think that really Peter, when he gives this answer, I think he's giving a pretty generous answer. He's saying, well, how many times should I forgive somebody? I mean, most would say, well, I'll forgive somebody once. Twice, eh, maybe, maybe not. Three times is probably the limit of how many times I'll forgive somebody of doing the same thing over and over. But what Peter does is he takes that number of three and he doubles it and he adds one. He says, I, you know, and probably he was thinking, that's pretty good. Seven's probably a pretty good number. But then Jesus answers him this way. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Or you may have a translation in some other places, it will say 70 times seven. And so when he's talking about that, Jesus is not putting a physical number on the way he does that with seven times 70 is he's expressing an idea of unconditional forgiveness or limitless forgiveness you know jesus point is not okay well when you get to 75 i'm gonna, I'm gonna keep track that was number 75 that was number 76 number 77 this is the last time you get forgiven if you get to the next one 70 this time you're not forgiven that's not where jesus was going with this He was saying that the forgiveness that we extend to others should be limitless. If you've ever been hurt, which all of us have, you know that's difficult. It's not so easy as just to go, oh, well, you did this to me. I'll just forgive you. And so Jesus tells this parable to help us to understand this. It says this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 
When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. Now, you look at this. First of all, just let me remind you, this is a parable. So this is a story that Jesus made up to teach us about forgiveness. So you don't have to look at this and go, Jesus was in favor of debtors' prison. It says right here. He's telling a story to help us to understand something. And so in this, he uses an amount of money. He talks about 10,000 talents of money. And that for us, it's like, I don't know, is that like 100 bucks? Is that a million bucks? How much is 10,000 talents? Let me give you kind of the math of this because it's important. A talent um, is basically equal to 20 years of wages, 20 years of somebody's wages. And so if we say, well, an average wage is $15 an hour, that person makes $30,000 a year, that amount over 20 years equals how many talents? 10,000 talents, right? How much is that in dollars? Anybody? Any math whizzes out there? It's a big number. $6 billion, right? $6 billion, And then he says this. He says, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Here's the thing is, he couldn't pay back $6 billion. That is unpaybackable. I realize that's not an actual word, but it works here. That is unpaybackable, right? Like not even Dave Ramsey could find a way to eat enough beans and rice to pay back $6 billion in a lifetime. He says, would you forgive me? Be patient. I can be as patient as you want. You will never pay this amount back. And so the king, the master, replies this way and says, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now remember, this is a parable to teach us about forgiveness. So the king represents God, and we're represented by the servant. And that servant is us, that we have been forgiven a huge debt. We have been forgiven the debt of all of our sin that we have a $6 billion debt that is owed to God because of our sin. And that sin, that debt compounds over our lifetimes. It's all the times that you did what you wanted instead of what God wanted. It's all the times that you lusted after somebody that was not your spouse or lusted after some object. It's all the times that you shared gossip about somebody without their permission. It's all the times that you slandered somebody. It's all the times that you puffed yourself up as greater than you were. It's all the times that you were greedy and spent money on yourself instead of helping somebody you need. It's all the times, and we can just add and add and add and add to that. And that is the weight and depravity of our sin. That is our $6 billion sin. And God paid the penalty for your sin and for mine. Jesus Christ died on the cross as the payment for our sin. And when you receive Christ as the Savior of your life, when you receive him into your life, you give him your sin and he gives you new life. That is the debt that has been paid 
for us. That's the $6 billion debt. So then here's what happens. Verse 28. It says, but then, excuse me, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Do you see the parallel there? Is that this guy is forgiven a debt of $6 billion and then he refuses to forgive this other person who has a debt of 100 denarii owed to him. And even the language is parallel. It says he fell down, he pleaded, he said, have patience with me. Both the servant did that to the king and then the fellow servant to the servant in the, care, in the story who represents us. Now, when Jesus told this parable, he's making it up and he's God, so he can use any number he wants. But I think using a hundred denarii was intentional. Because, we, again, we don't, like, we don't really, that's not a monetary value that we utilize. But a hundred denarii is basically a hundred days of wages. So uh, a person who worked a day, a day of good work, would be paid one denarii, right? And so a hundred denarii um, would be $12,000, right? And so we take $15 an hour and do the math and so forth. But a hundred dollars, or excuse me, $12,000, that's not a small sum of money. It's not like five bucks, ah, five bucks, no big deal. You know, if somebody took $12,000 from you, you would be upset. If somebody did $12,000 worth of damage to your house, you would be upset. It's not a small number. It is a painful number. And I think Jesus uses that on purpose to say, when somebody has wronged you in a way that causes pain to your life, it's significant. But compared to $6 billion dollars, it's small. And if we understand how much we are forgiven by God, then we will turn around and extend that same forgiveness to somebody else. And then Jesus concludes the parable this way. He says, When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I love that word, mercy. That God has shown mercy to us. And so we extend mercy to other people. You know, we started with this statement, Jesus never said forgive and forget. But here's what Jesus did say, taking it from this parable, is Jesus did say forgive by never forgetting that your sins have been forgiven. Forgive by never forgetting how much you are forgiven. And if we can know and remember and understand how much God has forgiven us, if we can feel the weight of that, 
then we're going to be able to forgive other people when they have wronged us. Because the amount that we have to forgive them doesn't compare at all to the amount that God has forgiven us. As we talk about forgiveness, I recognize that it's easier said than done. We want to forgive somebody. We want to release them from the debt. We want to say, you don't owe me anymore. But it's hard to do that. And so what I want to do is I want to give you three very practical steps to forgiveness to help you in your mind. If you're going, yes, I want to forgive, but it's hard to do. How do I do that? Here's three steps. Here's the first is name what has been taken. Name what has been taken from you. Or to put it another way, name the debt that is owed to you. What is it that that person took from you? Instead of just saying, well, I'm mad because they were dishonest. I'm mad because of this. I'm mad because of that. Say, try and figure out, say, what is it? What's the debt? What is it that you feel like they owe to you that they are not going to pay back? You know, maybe it's your reputation. That what they said injured or tarnished your reputation with a few people or with a lot of people. And you feel like, that's what they owe me. Well, then go ahead and name that. Or maybe they've taken your livelihood. Maybe you got passed over for a raise. Maybe you got dismissed from a job and you didn't deserve it. And so you're going, you know what, that's what they owe me. And, and name that. Or maybe you went through a divorce and you still have bitterness and resentment and anger towards your ex. And say, what did they take from me? Well, they took from me a life of happily ever after. They took from me raising our kids together. They took from me, and, and I think it's helpful to name that. What is the debt that you feel like that they owe you? To name that. Here's the second step, is allow forgiveness to be a process. Allow forgiveness to be a process. And here's what I mean by that. I think sometimes we're too quick to forgive. And I know we are supposed to be quick to forgive. But here's what I mean is, I think if sometimes if we just say, I forgive you and don't even go through a process, then it's just lip service. And the bitterness lingers and hangs there and the anger builds up over time and we haven't truly forgiven them. And so allow forgiveness to be a process. But I think sometimes we're waiting for the first step of the process to be, well, when they apologize, then I will forgive them. But the fact is, a lot of times, and I would say probably more often than not, the other person is not going to apologize to you because they don't think that they did anything wrong. And you can hold on to that bitterness, but it's not helping you. It's like eating rat poison, hoping it's going to kill the rats. Like, you're not hurting them. And so even if they don't apologize to you, it's okay to say, I'm going to release them from the debt that they owe. And Jesus is a great example of this. That Jesus was crucified, and there were a lot of parties that were involved. There was Judas, there was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priests and the Sanhedrin, and there was the Roman government, and there was the soldiers. And he was crucified on the cross. And one of the things he said, and he didn't say very much from the cross, but one of the things that he said is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Did any of those parties come and ask forgiveness of Jesus? No. But yet he said, I forgive them. You know, part of the process of forgiveness also is a process of rebuilding trust. Trust. 
that, that someone can wrong us, but yet it takes a while for the trust to be rebuilt. And I'll give you an example from my own life, and this is a bit embarrassing, and you guys might not like me after this, but I'm barren a little bit. So when I was in college, I had a friend named Liz, and she asked me to watch her parakeet while she was on fall break. So I was staying on fall break for the four-day fall break. She said, would you watch my parakeet? I totally forgot, completely forgot. And Liz gets back, and her parakeet is dead cold in her thing, right? Don't ask me to watch your pets. That's, that, that's what I'm trying to do here. But, you know, and I was like, Liz, I am so sorry. I, would you forgive me? I mean, I was totally just heartbroken that I had killed her bird by not feeding it. Um, and she said, I forgive you. And, and she was great about forgiveness. She didn't hold it over my head. She didn't make bird jokes around me. She didn't, I don't know, you mean, she, didn't, she was great about it, right? But you know what else she didn't do? She didn't ask me to watch her bird again, <laughs> right? And there's a part of forgiveness that, yes, she forgave me, but it takes a bit of time for the trust to be built back up again. Here's the third part of practical forgiveness. It's pray for the offender. Pray for the offender. Jesus said this, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who have offended you. Pray for those who have wronged you. Pray for those that you are bitter towards. Because when we do that, prayer changes us and prayer changes them. When we pray for them, we're going to pray that God's blessing would be on them. We're going to pray that they would learn to follow God. We're going to pray that God's goodness and God would transform them from whoever they are to whoever God would have them be. But in that process of praying for them, our lives are going to be transformed as well. Our hearts as we pray God's blessing on them. We're going to end this morning by taking communion together. And I can't think of any better way to sum up this message than communion. This is what Paul said when he gave instructions to the Corinthian church about communion. He said, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That before we take communion, we're to examine our own lives. And so what I want you to do as you take some time to pause and to be still is to think about two things. First, is there somebody that you're harboring bitterness towards? Is there somebody that you have not forgiven? And as Jesus says, forgiven in your heart. Is there someone that you haven't forgiven? And I encourage you to just to release that, to forgive them in the silence and quiet of your own heart. And then the second is to consider your own sin. Consider what are the six billion dollar sins, so to speak, that you commit towards God when you wrong God. And know that you are forgiven of those because Jesus Christ died on the cross. And when we take the cup representing the blood of Christ, and we take the bread representing the body of Christ broken for us, it's a remembrance of the forgiveness that was poured out for us. If you're new to River Church, or maybe you've never been here for communion, communion is open to all who've placed their faith in Christ. If you haven't placed your faith in Christ, just pass the communion elements by, that's fine. And also, if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, then maybe today is the day that you recognize that you have this debt that you can never pay off to God, but He can forgive it if you ask Him. 
when the elements go by, you can just take the cup and the bread. And when you've decided, when you've taken that meditation time in your own heart, then take the bread and the cup. No one from up here will tell you when to take it, but this is your time with the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time of reflection, this time of understanding. Thank you that you have forgiven us this huge, huge debt. And bring to mind now those people that we need to forgive because you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name, amen.